in Romans 8. We're going to continue moving through the, our study here in Romans 8. We're actually going to pick back up here in verse 11 and uh, work our way down through the rest of this section. Then next week, uh, Phil and Nick will be filling in. I will not be here, nor will Linda. Linda and I will be uh, in Chicago for the weekend for the Grace School of the Bible meeting. Um, and then, uh, so you be here for Phil. He'll teach the 9.30, Nick's teaching the 11, and uh, unless they've changed it amongst themselves. So, but uh, we're going to, and then when we come back, we're going to look, start in verse 14, talking about our sonship and being sons, the fact that we are sons of God. Okay? All right, that's, I think that's it. Verse 9, let's just read the section here. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And again, we'll pick up verse 14 next time. Just this morning, I want to get back in verse 9, where we were last time. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And again, we're talking about positionally here. Practice, our practice, our daily living, verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you decide, and again, the flesh here, he's not talking about these biological bodies. When we get down in, he'll say he quickened your mortal body. So guess what that is? That's this thing, you know. I, I was watching a comedian this past week, and he says, you know, he goes, I'm, I'm going on 40 for the last 10 years. And then so he is, uh, you know, doing, so he's 50, okay? So he's like, have you ever noticed that as you get older, you hurt yourself in your sleep? And I'm like, what? And I go, yeah, I, I, you know, you go to sleep and you wake up and you're like, man, my back hurts. What in the world happened? You know, and I, I was just sleeping, exactly. Well, that's this mortal body. That's, okay, so in the section here, Unless he specifically says mortal bodies, he's talking about the spiritual side. He's talking about the realm that we're going to operate in. Are we going to think after the flesh, this body of sin, or are we going to think about who we are in Christ? And again, when we mind the, the things of the Spirit, back up there in verse 1, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. When we walk after the Spirit, the Spirit is all consumed with who Christ is and who you and I are in Christ. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So we have this life that the Spirit, as a believer, we sit here, we've got the flesh, and we've looked at this, Galatians 5, lusting, warring after the Spirit. We've got this turmoil going. We choose which way we're going to go. We make that choice of, hey, I'm going to live over here in my flesh, or I'm going to come over here and live as who I am in Christ. One's going to result in death. One's going to result in living after the law, legalism. One's going to result in life and peace and living under the, the control and the rule and the reign of grace. You know, Moses said to Israel, I've said this, I put before you death and life. Choose life. That's what Paul's doing here. This is who you are. As we start now in verse 9, we move from the practice of everything and how it's going to be now into the position. So he says there in verse 9, if so be. And again, that if there is not conditional. If has several different clauses. The first, the first case here is a, it's a, it is so. This is true. You know, the illustration that I can think of is, my children, I look at my daughter and say, if you're my daughter, you don't do that. Well, she's my daughter, see. 
That's not the question. The question now is the activity. So when you look here at verse 9, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you, he does dwell in you. Now, and because of that, there's a power source now that we have resident in our inner man. We have this new identity of who we are in Christ. We have this ability now to do something that we could have never done before. And that's go now and live and serve him and his plan. And the, the one that's going to do this, the one that's going to accomplish this, is the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Uh, come over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 24, Galatians 5 and verse 24. <clears throat> so when somebody says, well, where's the Holy Spirit? Well, where is he? He's in you. That's where he's at. You know, we get the phone calls from time to time. Are you a spirit-filled church? And they're thinking about the charismatics and the Pentecostal ideas and so forth. And it's, well, yes, we are, just not how you're thinking. <laughs> the Spirit resides in in all of us, verse 24, and they that are Christ, so we belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affliction, affections and lust. So our identity here, this is who we are. What have we done? Well, we've Romans 6 it. We crucified. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And again, the if here, it, it, this is the case. Because we have the Holy Spirit, now let us go live in Him, let us go walk in Him. So when you come back here to Romans 8, what Paul's doing now is the information in 1 to 8, uh, verses 1 to 8, here's how all of that's now going to become a reality in your life. Here's how you're going to walk after the Spirit. Here's how you're going to mind the things of the Spirit. You're going to get, away, get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit come in through the Word of God working in you. That's how He works. He doesn't work in the circumstances. He doesn't work out in you know, this, all this religious muckety-muck stuff. He works through the Word, working in you. And the Holy Spirit is going to be the power source the very reason our new identity, who we are in Christ, be can become a real, living, daily experience. It becomes our reality. You, you know the deal. You watch reality TV. I watched Ice Road's Chuck, Truckers the other night, you know, season whatever. I think there's like 35,000 seasons and I just enjoy because I just like big trucks, you know. Actually, what I want to do is see one go in. I don't want anybody hurt, but I want to see one go through the ice, you know. But, but, and you know that that can't happen because the cameras can't always be there, you know. And you know it does. But what is that? That is not reality. It's not real. This is real. Sometimes life gets that way. It gets surreal, we say. Here's reality. The Holy Spirit, folks, is committed to taking our positional reality of who we are in Christ. In Colossians, he talks about my life, which has been hid in God, in Christ. And his goal is to come along and to use this mortal flesh, these mortal bodies, these vehicles, and use them to go thou and produce, manifest, put on display the life of Christ. To go and do that. And if you think about it here, <laughs> we were dead. Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is what? Dead because of sin. And you think about that, dead. Well, wait a minute, I'm standing here. I'm yapping, I'm talking. That's how you know he's not talking about your mortal body here. He's talking about that relationship that we now have with sin, Romans 6. That's why Romans 6 and 7 and 8 is so critical to be together here. We have life now. And what the Holy Spirit is committed to in your life, in my life, in the believer's life, is to 
express that life that we have in Christ. We call it the grace life sometimes. We call it the life of Christ. We're dead, verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But spirit is what? Life because of righteousness. He who knew no sin was made to be sin, that we might be what? Made the righteousness. I, when we looked at those stuff back in the first five chapters, I told you that thing about made. Taking something and putting it into an unnatural condition. The Lord Jesus Christ was sinless, and yet he was what? Made to be sin. His, his natural existence was no sin, and he was he was conformed and down into and made to be sin. By the way, he did it, Philippians 2, by the obedience of faith. The obedience, he became obedient unto death. Why? Because that's what the Father's will was. That's when we get over into the sons is all about, that adult thinking. The body here. Uh, come back over with me to, to uh, Romans 6. Go, just look at this here. How's this, how is this? Again, he's not talking about our biological body. He's talking about in our day-to-day, -day, that functional death. These bodies have been crucified. Chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. When Christ died on the tree, Paul's telling us he did not die alone. You and I were there. That's what, all, that's what really the whole of 6 is saying. You have a co-death, burial, and resurrection identity. When Christ died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he rose again, you were rose again. All that's spiritual. You weren't there. If you were there, you're the oldest person in the world. <laughs> Did you hear the oldest lady in uh, America died? She was 116. She had 12 kids, 48 grandkids, 100 and something great-grandkids, and another 100 and something of great-great-grandkids. I'm like, boy, if that's not an Amway downline marketing thing, you, who could, you know, just sign them up. <laughs> You'd be making buck, you know. I was like, but that's how that works, you know. You see, he, so he's not talking about you physically being there, but you being there how? Spiritually. That the, now what, notice verse 6, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Notice it doesn't say that sin was destroyed. It doesn't say that we don't sin anymore. It says the what? The body of sin. See? He doesn't say that you're, you're not going to go out there and make a mistake. And, you know, some, some have an idea that once you get saved, you never sin again. He doesn't say that. He says the body of sin. That issue of your, that, the body. Sin no longer has authority over your life and in your life. These bodies, look down at verse 12. These bodies are no longer the vehicle for sin to use. You see, sin needs a vehicle so it can go and manifest itself. That's why... Moses, when those Ten Commandments and stuff, nine of them are all morality sins and things you're going to go do over here, you're not supposed to do. Paul will look at you, we'll see it next hour when we talk about husbands and sanctifying, wife washing and stuff. And when you look at that, he goes over there and it's all, you know, adult, don't commit adultery. That's a, that's a sin that's inside that's done what? Worked its way out in an act. Why? Because sin needs a body to express itself. That's why we talked about the flesh up there in earlier in Romans 8 about being the self-life, taking the selfie. <laughs> you know, I took a bunch of selfies the other day. I was out helping the Morgans. He wasn't looking. And I'm <laughs> they didn't look good. So you guess what? Delete, 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 <laughs> you know. Why? Because, you know, record the day, but I know I was there, so that was okay. Look at verse 6, the body of sin. These bodies are now free from the dictates, the governorship, 
the rule, the authority of sin. And you know what? We no longer need to allow our bodies to be used for the purposes of manifesting, exhibiting the issues of sin. It's functional death here. That's what he's talking about. Look at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Let not sin do what? Reign, rule, this what? This mortal body, this vehicle here. You see, we can do something now that we could never do before. And that's we can make a choice and a, to say, hey, I can live over here. You know, pleasure for sin is just for the season. It'll be sure your sin will find you out, all those neat little verses. You know, it looks good, feels good at the moment, but then later you're like, man, that's a bad deal there. In marriage, when there, when, uh, come over to Colossians 2. I was doing some reading several years ago uh, about uh, people who have affairs in their marriages. And you know what they say? The number one issue that comes up in that starts with the G. Guilt. The number one response when they interviewed people who had had affairs and you know, reconcile, get it all fixed there. It was the guilt. I'm like, wow. Why? Because what does that sin do to you? It doesn't produce life and peace and happiness. It produces what? Guilt, shame, turmoil. So now we have the ability to say, you know what? I don't want that. <laughs> I want this over here. And let's go that way. Look at Colossians 2. So again, we don't have to allow our bodies to be used for the purposes of sin. Now, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. Things happen. You know, but what do you do with that then? You learn from it. You say, I don't want to do that again. You know, because look at the, look at the, look at the big egg I just laid. <laughs> I don't want that old stinking rotten egg. I, I, I like the nice little smooth thing over here. Colossians 2, great passage here. Colossians 2, look at verse 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So that's, a, that's not a fleshly circumcision of Abraham back in Israel's day. This is a spiritual one. Actually, in verse 12 there, he says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him, through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him. So God's going to do some operating. The moment you trust Christ as your Savior, the, God, the, the Godhead, all of them become very active in your spiritual life, and they go in, and circumcision is the cutting away of the flesh, death to the flesh, and literally... He comes in and he takes this body and he cuts you away. The body, this body's not you. It's just a vehicle. The you is your soul and your spirit, inner man. And he literally cuts away those bondages, those handcuffs that sin has gripped. And he sets you free. Verse 11 uh, circumcise you with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Notice he's putting off the what again? The body of sins. He's putting off that body that of sin, that reigning and that ruling and that mechanism here. So when you come back to Romans 8, Verse 9 and 10 here, Paul's like, look, guys, you, we've been set free from this thing over here called the body of sin. Now, watch verse 11, 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Now, think about that. Think about the power. Come over to Ephesians chapter number 1. Think about the power that it took to raise Christ from the dead. 
thus causing him never to die again. But just think about the power that is required to say, Lazarus, come forth. Now, he, that's Jesus with Lazarus, John 11. Look at 1 Corinthians, I'm, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to, to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all, and off you go. Notice the power, the, the energy to come in, go back to Romans 8, and to take the Lord and resurrect him and then to go move him into the heavenly places far above all. That power now rests and resides in you. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell where? In you. You see, we have this power source called in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says, look, you look, the Galatians 3 over there, who's before your eyes, Jesus Christ was evidently crucified. You look at Calvary, look at all of the information, the historical event. The resurrection, though, did what? Sealed the deal, said, it, boom, it's done, paid in full. He says, that same power now sits in you, dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So you've got this power source, this center in the person of the Holy Spirit, and you know what he wants to do? He wants to go to work. He wants to quicken your mortal body. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he does. Shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now you've got to think about that. Mortal Think about that word, quicken and mortal. Mortal, subject to death. We all in here are what? Mortal, subject to death. Now, we also have what coming to us, a new body. If the Lord tarries, if the Lord comes back today and takes us home, guess what you became? Immortal. Think about that. I, I, do, I think you never experience, you would never experience death as our loved ones who have passed have experienced it. I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> I want to know what it feels like. Come on, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> A little sadistic this morning. <laughs> but you think about that. You're walking along, as the song says, we walk, says we walk the veil with him, and then all of a sudden, poof, you're, hey, cool. <laughs> I got on the, the, the you see those space guys, uh, they came back, the astronauts? Like, I got my space suit on, but, and I didn't even do anything. Look at this. See? But think about that word quicken. It's an interesting thing here. He's not talking about resurrecting, resurrection life here. Okay? Because he says he quickened your mortal bodies. There's more going on here than him talking about the power to raise you, to resurrect you. But rather he's, say, he's talking about that same power is now resident in you and I. It dwells in us right now, in the present day, right here in time. We now have the capacity, the capabilities, the equipping to that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He's living in us, the Holy Spirit, and we can access him and use that in our daily lives. But I want you to think about that word quicken. It's an interesting word. Usually we say uh, made alive, boom. Well, what did your, what does 666 say? What did he do to your body? He killed it. So yes, he made it alive. But this is, there's something more than just saying here, made alive. All right? Hebrews 4, talking about the Word of God, says that it is quick and powerful. And we say, see, it's alive. Yeah, but quick is more than just being alive. Quick is quick. It's fast. By the way, I found a 2019 Corvette for sale. Okay? You know? 
and Ricky and I are looking at it, and we're looking at the specs, and for just a mere 20K more, you can have an additional 250 horsepower. So you can, yeah, that's what I said. Whoa, hey, hey all right. <laughs> you know, why, what's money? Come on, let's go, you know. But see, the thing is, is so you can go from 0 to 60 in 2.9 rather than what the middle, what the one I was, saw, you can go to 0 to 60 in 3.8. I'm like, hey, that's a second, baby. Come on, man. We'll slam that thing. And, you know, and so I'm reading the reviews, and they're like, well, if you're not really going to do, you know. But I don't know what any of that has to do with any of this. It just came to my mind. What are we talking about here? Quicken, quick, quick, being quick. That's it, fast, boom. See, there's more going on here than quicken. Think about it like this. Have you ever cut your fingernail back too far and yet that soft tissue under your nail, what do we call that? Quick. You see, that he's talking about that soft, gentle tissue in, the very, in your very core is what's being impacted. Now, what's in your very core? Your soul and your spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit work? He works in your spirit. That's why you need to have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that sensitive area that is at the very core sensitive part of our being, our spirit. So he's not talking about just being alive, because yes, he does do that, because your body's dead. But he's talking about deeper, down inside of you, where the spirit is going to work in that most central, soft, gentle, sensitive part of your inner man your spirit. Look over with me to Ephesians chapter 2. See, he takes our mortal, he can now take our mortal flesh and use it because he's impacted the quick, that soft, tender area of you. Look at Ephesians 2, look at verse 1. And you hath he, what? Quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. So he quickened. What did he do to you there? He made you alive, didn't he? Because what were you? Dead. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according, uh, actually I need verse 5. Sorry, there it is. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. See how quickened in verse 5 is not verse 6 of being raised and seated? They're two different things. He did what with you? He quickened you. And then in verse 5, what did he do? And hath raised us up together. So they're separate issues, but they're greatly connected because of who's doing the work. The Holy Spirit. If you look in verse 2, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. You know, you walked like a dead man walked. You were dead in sins and trespasses. This is before, by grace ye are saved, verse 8. Therefore, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. That's before that happened. So the idea here of quickening is this issue of life, but not just any life. What kind of life? What is the type of life? That's why in verse 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein you walked according... In time past, we were under the control of who? Adam. We walked in Adam. We're in, all those in Adam do what? Die. We were under the satanic policy of evil. We were under the control of the adversary. Actually, we're under, in the end of verse 2 there, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The end of verse 3, and we're by nature the children of wrath. We got, you know, when we're unsaved, we got bad news here. It's tough. Now, as an unsaved person, you never knew any of this. You just lived life because life was lived this way, because that's what mom and dad did, so that's what I do. You get saved, you come looking in here, and you go, man, I was really messed up. <laughs> 
I was, in her, I was hurting. So the idea here is that, hey, back in time past, we're in Adam, we're under the control, we're influenced by the prince of power of the air. But now, in Christ, what did Christ do? He crucified that old sin nature. He killed that. He, he brought death to the body of sin. It's all been destroyed. And again, supernaturally, we're talking about in the spirit and who you are. So now, we have a different type of life. And the Holy Spirit now goes to work. And he comes in and he takes these mortal bodies, back in Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 8 verse 11. And he takes these mortal bodies and now he gives it life. And now we can respond to what God would have us do. Before, we were 2-1. We were dead, man. We were just out there. We were doing our own thing. Now we can go. So quicken here is more than just alive. It's more than just being resurrected. Actually, those are two different things. But it's a, about possessing the very source of life that causes the life that God would have us to have in us. It's the life that God imparts to us, gives to us, and it's through the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The moment we trust Christ, we have that little acronym, CRIBS, Spirit Goes to Work. We trust Christ, He, go, he circumcises us. He regenerates us, makes our mortal bodies. He then indwells us. He baptizes us into Christ, that identity. And then he seals us. Those little five, C-R-I-B-S. There he goes. And the moment we trust Christ, you know what? We possess everything. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings. We're complete in him. We have all grace and all sufficiency and all things. We, have, we are alive and we possess all that is required for our eternal existence. But it's also everything that we need to live now in time. What's good about all that is we don't need any more. What does religion say? Do it so you get more. Paul here, in our identity, he says, you got it all. You don't need any more. What you need to do is get in a book, study, figure out what you got, and then go live in it. <laughs> Grow up in it. So now, 8.11, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now we can go and manifest out the life of Christ in the daily details of our own life. Are you back in 8? Look over at verse 35. And, and the Holy Spirit, he provides the sound doctrine that enables us to grow and to, then to go and live. And he, he's bringing in that life. And you know what? He's not, he's not using our circumstances. That's religion. That's worldly thought. But rather, we don't find our living in the circumstances. We find who we are in our living in who we are in Christ, in the pages of Scripture. Our circumstances are then where we go live out who we are. Do you follow that? I just kind of said that cattywampus in what I usually do. At least in my mind. I'm still thinking about the vet, I guess. You know? Okay? Yeah, Voom Voom. That's my new nickname. Voom Voom. We, my grandpa, Jordan, when he was alive, he had an old Maverick, Ford Maverick. And he'd go down the street and it hit the butt, hit the horn and it's one of those ooga ooga, you know, ooga ooga. So when we would go down the street, Grandpa, hit the horn. Ooga ooga. Kids come out, hit the horn, Grandpa. Ooga ooga, you know? So he, he, he became the Uga Uga man, you know. 
think about your circumstances. L look at chapter 8, look at verse 35. Because what's going to happen now in, in chapter 8, we start in verse 14 next time. He's going to start talking to you about your position. Again, we're, we're, we started talking about position in verse 8, verse 9. But look at verse 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Their circumstances aren't there. You know, the sword, the government, persecution, famine, can't eat, can't sleep, can't drink, can't find clothes, can't do. Why? Things, go, things aren't going. Circumstances of life stink. See? So you're not going to find that you get something more by living, you know, a persecuted life. Now, look at verse 37. Now then... Nay, in all these things we are, what, more than conquerors through him that loved us. You see, in the circumstances of life, we have the capacity to be more than conquerors. We don't get more, we have the what? The capacity to be more. Notice how, nay, in all these things we are, what, more than. You're already a conqueror because of who you are in Christ. But now in the circumstances, you get to do what? Be more than that, which is fantastic because when you think about a conqueror, you know, Rome conquered the world. But you know what Rome figured out? We can be a more than conqueror. We can take a little town like Philippi, we can take a little town like Tarsus, and we can make that thing a free city, part of the Roman Empire, and they will pay us taxes, and we can leave everybody where they're at. We don't have to rip out a new governor. You see, a, more than, a conqueror is conquering the moment, but a more than is, take, is a, someone who takes the moment and turns it to your benefit. What does 2 Corinthians 4 say? The outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And the, uh, the, the afflictions are, for a, are uh, for a moment. The light afflictions are for a moment. And they what? Work for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. How is it? You didn't change the situation. You just did what with the situation? Made it work to your benefit. That's the more than conquer. How can we do that? Well, who do we have? We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He's, you're, you're, in, you're reading three chapters a day, Romans and Philemon. You're putting, the, you're putting the doctrine in there. And he sits there and says, hey, dummy, there's a verse over here. And you go, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know. And then you come over here and you go, yeah, but I like this one. And he's sitting there going, yeah, but this one's going to have life and peace. And this, your flesh says, no, this one's going to make you feel good. Now you've got to struggle. Don't, now you have emotional re revolt and tyranny. And then you step in and your will says no. We're going to do this. And your flesh goes, your old, the old sin, they go, oh, yeah, you want to see? You know, and the next thing you know, you got persecutions. And try and Have you ever wondered why bad things happen to good people? That's a great question, right? It's not bad things. It's called life. Life happens. And there you go. So when you come in here, back, go back up to verse 11. The Spirit does dwell in you. He does quicken you. He does work and operate in the most central, sensitive, tender part of you, your spirit. And then he does use your mortal flesh. He does use this body to glorify, to manifest the life of Christ in time on the stage of your life where you're at. And you may say, yeah, but Rick, I don't feel like I'm winning the world to Christ. Nobody asks you to. See, religion asks you to do that. The missionary boards ask you to do that. Christ says, no. Ephesians 5.18, where we've been, we're to be filled with the what? Filled with the Spirit. Have the Spirit come and grip our lives. And here's what it's going to look like in you, the 19, 20, 21. Here's what it's going to look like in your marriage. Here's what it's going to look like in your family life. Here's what it's going to look like in your relationships to the world, 
how about let's just do it there? Forget about trying to save the world for Christ. Just impact where you live. Man, you do that, guess what? You know, the Holy Spirit, over there, he's woohoo. You know, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. I think about that, quench. You can throw water on him. That's how you quench a fire, you know, throw dirt in his face. And you know what? He sits there and says, I'll wait for you. I'm sitting here. I told you, he's the chilled surfer dude. Just relax, hey, you know, he's Scooby-Doo, you know, just chilled. You think about it. It's like, you know, that's who he is. Now look at verse 12, because there's a word there, therefore. <laughs> therefore, well, you have to ask, the, why is the there, therefore? What's going on here? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Uh-oh, wait a minute, Rick. I thought you said we weren't debtors. You know, we, we have a think about debt, don't we? There's good, good debt and bad debt, isn't there? For, and some there is. Some, you know, circles being leveraged to the hilt is the way to be. In other circles, i.e. Rick's house, you can't have the Corvette. <laughs> Why? Because we're in debt. I don't you know. It's bad debt, good debt. But therefore, we are debtors. And again, we think about debt as, as something of, oh, we owe someone. The question here is, why would Paul use such a term? Because obviously we don't owe anything to God. We could never owe God. If you think you owe God, that's a slap in his face to say, Calvary was not enough. I got to help you. So I owe you. You know, what, you know what God requires of you? The love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that we that live should not live unto ourselves, but henceforth live unto him who loved us and gave himself. You know what, you know what God requires of you? Faith and thanksgiving. That's it. Thankful. Thankfulness. That's all he requires of you. He requires your heart of faith, because that's what he's looking for. And then for you to turn around and say what? Thank you. you. Again, Romans 1, you know what separates us from the heathen? They were not thankful. They wouldn't retain God in their knowledge. No faith. And guess what? They weren't thankful. Now, he's got a life that he would love us to go live. But if you decide to be a bump on a dill pickle, he ain't going to change it. He's not going to come in and say, don't you do that. He's going to say, here's a life for you to live. Let's go live that. And you say, well, I don't want to. He'll say, okay, but there's a life for you to live. <laughs> Let's go live that. He doesn't overrun your volition. But why does Paul use the term here? It's, it's very fascinating here. Well, what does he say? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. Notice where we're at. Remember where we're at. We're in Romans 8. What did we learn in Romans 7 about the law? Romans 7 is the great I am chapter. I can do this. I can, I can stop evil. and I can stop sin in me. I can control it. I can restrain it. And what did Paul find out? Oh, wretched man that I am. I can't do this. The law says don't do it, and what do I do? I go do it. Then the law says I don't do it, don't do this, and I'm over here trying not to do it, and you know what? I still do it. Then I say, okay, I ain't going to do that anymore, and then I'm over here doing it. You know, it's just frustrated mess. What does the law demand? Perfect righteousness. Perfect obedience, and you can't do it. Sin comes in and uses the law, deceives us. Remember, we studied this. So when he says here, debtors not to the flesh, he's talking in mind about the law principles, the if and the then. We are not capable of controlling sin in ourselves. Who do we need? We need to be under the right operating system, and the love of grace of God, who we are in Christ. 
But we don't have, we, you know what? We owe the law and the flesh absolutely nothing. We are not debtors to it. Come, hold on here. Look over at Galatians 5. Very, you, you, when you think about the law, the whole of Galatians 5, the whole of Galatians, I should say, is about the issue of bringing in the law and adding it into grace. And uh, you, you have, it's very, oh man, it is so interesting here. Um, look, look in chapter 6 real quick. Look at verse 17. I was reading Galatians the other day, and something very fascinating jumped out at me. And so I'm going to jump it out at you, okay? <laughs> look at 6.17. Watch Paul. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. You know what Paul says there? Paul is angry. He is mad. And you know what he says? Shut up and leave me alone about it. I'm done dealing with you. He says there in verse 11, You see how large a letter I've written unto you in my, with my own hands. You know? He wrote six chapters to him here. All these verses, all this instruction, all this correction. And you know what they still said? We ain't going to do it. You know what he said? Lose my email. Lose my phone number. I'm done with you. And I, you know what struck me? is like, here's the great apostle Paul. And you know what he said? After two or three admonitions, you reject them as heretics. I'm done dealing with you. You're wasting my time now. I'm like, whoa. Why? Well, he's got a little thing that says, redeem the time for the days are evil. I got something else to go do. You're wasting my time. I'm done dealing with you. you you've, had the op you've had the instructions. I just look at that and go, wow. I'm sorry. Road, a uh, little detour in the, in the road here. I just, in fact, why? Because that's the case. You don't have time to dilly-dally. We only live once in this. We have eternity to do the other. You know, but you got this right here. Look at chapter 5. L look, if you will, at verse, oh, where is it? Verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the what? The whole law. Usually when we read that word debt, debtor, it's in conjunction with the law. Drop down. God gave us the the quickening capacity and therefore we owe the law the flesh nothing we've been set free from it look look back at chapter 4 look at verse 9 look at how paul describes the law but now after that ye have known god or rather know, are known of god how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. <laughs> that goes there to 617. I'm done dealing with you. But look at how he describes the law. You know what being in debt to the law looks like? You're poor. Look at that. You're weak. You're beggarly. You're a beggar. You want to be a beggar? Then go live under the law. You want to be weak? Go live under the law. The law causes you to be, to be the guy on the corner holding the sign, a beggar. But yet, who are you? Come over to Ephesians. Ephesians 3. I, 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 it, this, is to, this is what he's getting at in Romans 8. He's, in Romans 8, he's laying the foundation. Galatians and Ephesians here, he's going to amplify. Ephesians 3, verse 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable, what? Riches of, who, who are you? Are you weak and beggarly? Are you what? Rich. Let's live there. <laughs> Come over to Colossians chapter 1. Let's live in the, the rich side of the family. 
Be the rich uncle, you know. Live over on the rich. Don't be the beggar. You know, the old saying is, is I've been poor and I've been rich and rich is better, <laughs> you know. Well, guess what you are in Christ? You're rich. Colossians 1, verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Boy, what? Let's walk there. So when you come back to Romans 8, can I wrap this section up here. You see, folks, the Holy Spirit, that power source, the, the third person of the Godhead that's working down in your quick, in that sensitive central area of you, your spirit. And he says, listen, I want you to know who you are and who Christ is and who he's made you in Christ. And I want to take that and have you come out here and be rich in your life. And I'm the guy that's going to, I'm the energizer bunny. I'm going to get it done. So, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. The reason he says debtors is to draw your mind back to that law principle issue. By the way, that's bad debt. The good debt, Ephesians 2.10 over there, uh, we're in Christ. Uh, I just had it, sorry. Ephesians 2.10, my Bible's falling apart. So 2.10, he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And again, the good works there isn't out saving the world. It isn't out feeding the poor. It isn't out taking junk to goodwill. It isn't out doing that stuff. That's what the world says. The good works is just coming in and being who you are in Christ, living out that out in your life. That's why he'll tell Titus, to, over there he'll say to, hey, a good minister is constantly reminding the local church about the good works that need to be done. And I'm like, good works to be done. None of that's out there in the social. Now, don't get me wrong. The social stuff's good, you know, giving and helping but let's do it from the right place of motivation of who we are in Christ. Not me over here beating you over the head. Where were you Tuesday night? Where were you Saturday morning? Where were you? No, let's do it because we have the right motivation. Look at verse 13. Here's the good debt. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Again, not I owe God. God has given us everything independent of what we deserve or don't deserve. He says, if you're in me, you trusted the finished work of Calvary, here's what I'm going to do for you. Ephesians 1, I'm going to front load the benefit package. I'm going to reserve one of the benefits to later at the end, the new body, the resurrected body. But I'm going to give you all of your benefits up front. When Danielle went and worked, got her job at uh, Phoenix, City of Phoenix, she comes home. She's sitting here. I can tell on her. So she comes home and is talking about all the benefits. Well, when you got benefits, what do you do? You just stick them in a closet and hope they're there one day? No, you go enjoy them, don't you? You go use them. <laughs> you know? Hey, the benefits of not killing your kids as grandkids, from what I hear. I don't know yet. We'll figure that one out when we get there. I heard it's true, so I'm, I'm trusting it's to be true. But, hey, there's benefits. What are you going to do? Sit there and just look. You get a gift. What do you do with the gift? You admire the wrapping paper and the bow? I don't. I get the old knife out. And I open that sucker. Let's enjoy the gift. That's what we're doing here. You don't owe God anything. He's given you this gift. He's given you everything independent of what you deserve or don't deserve. So let's go enjoy. But how do I do that? Well, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I'm the energy for that. When you read your Bible, just think about it. You're reading words on a page, aren't you? Just as if you've picked up a John Grisham novel. You're just reading words on a page. Right? I mean, you just think about it. That's all you're doing. Except for who? The Holy Spirit. Because the words on the page in the Bible, the Holy Spirit takes and makes them life. Jesus says over there, John, the words I speak, they are 
life. They're spirit and they are life. John Grisham, he just sits there and says, thank you for buying my book. They don't mean anything. But these words mean something. He's given us everything. I don't owe him anything. I don't have to pay him back. By the way, if I pay him back or try to, it's just like smacking him in the face saying what you did was not enough. It's actually rude. It's inconsiderate. It's not thankful. Think about mortified. Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. Oh, man. Mortify. When you mortify something, he is not talking about stomping sin out and stopping sin. We've already learned we can't stop sin. What stops sin? Calvary. That's what stops sin. You and your own energy and your own flesh can't stop sin. You lose. Your flesh will kick your rear end up and down the street. Calvary, crucified sin. Mortify. Mortify the what? The deeds, the activity, right? Come over real, real quick. Colossians 3. We gotta, I got yelled at last week for being over on Sunday school. And then I got yelled at for being over in church. I'm just getting yelled at all the time. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have a complex if it wasn't for other things. <laughs> look at look at. Colossians 3, verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Mortify. Subdue, subdue them. Put them to death. To mortify your members. By the way, here are the deeds of your flesh. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Oh, that's a great life, isn't it? Woohoo! I'll take two of those. No. Oh, man, all of that is horrible. To mortify your members is to bring them under the control of the reality of who you are in Christ. And that's what he's getting back here in 8.13. Bring in who you are in Christ and allow that, allow the ultimate death to that old sin nature to happen. You don't get rid of him but you can sure put him over in the corner. And again, the only way to do that is to live the life of Christ by allowing our bodies, these mortal bodies, to be used to express his life in our daily life. All that starts when we walk in the Spirit, when we live after the Spirit, when we mind the things of the Spirit when we have our thinking controlled and gripped by the Word of God in the moment. Yeah, but Rick, the, verse, the Bible doesn't say anything about the Diamondbacks losing the game. Actually, it does. You just got to go find the verse. Because I ain't going to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, he says, hey, you're richly and to enjoy all things. Then he comes over in Corinthians and he says, hey, does it... Does it bring you under bondage? Does it edify others? Does, is it expedient for you? you got all, all the mechanisms. Everything is there to cover everything. Well, it doesn't talk about what color the bedroom ought to be painted. Yeah, it does, actually. It says, as much as lieth in you to live peaceably with all people. I'd let her have it. <laughs> let her have her way. Not let her have it. I'd let her have her way. <laughs> I'm living peaceably, you know. Happy house, happy spouse. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I wasn't born yesterday. That's where we're at. Now in verse 14, we got to quit. For as many as, I better quit, right? <laughs> For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we'll pick up next, and in two weeks when we talk about our sonship, our being an adult. Now, yeah, exactly. Uh, Bullinger had a little booklet one time called The Two Natures of the Believer. And in that little booklet, he makes a comment about this stuff we're talking about right here. And he says, if you think about your flesh and the spirit, because that's the two realms, as think about them as a dog. The dog you feed is going to be what? Strong, vibrant, working, good, do. The dog you starve is going to do what? It ain't going to die. It's just going to kind of curl up in the corner and be useless. If you feed your flesh, guess what that flesh is going to do? It's going to read your meter, run your life, 
And the Spirit's just going to sit over in the corner and say, I'm sitting right here, I'm waiting. I'll just sit here. Chill, dude. I'm right here. But if you feed the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit, do what the Spirit would have, you know what your flesh is going to do? He ain't going to chill. Because I've been around dogs that haven't eaten all day. You put the cup down, what happened? Where did it go? You know, you think I eat fast. Oh, my goodness. See, that's the idea. We're debtors to do what? Don't feed the flesh. Let's walk in who we are in Christ. And a great mechanism that he did that was that he set us in the family as a grown adult sons. And that's where we're headed. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word for the study of it, for the look at our identity and our position and the truth that we can now bring into our thinking and our existence as we think on these things, as we study them, and as we make them real in our own lives. In your name we pray, amen.